you can actually go right to Matthew chapter 14 with me. <clears throat> I dodged out on you guys on Tuesday. <laughs> I was up in Manchester at New Testament Church with their 10 days of prayer because I was invited. And so I was invited before we even signed up for this 10 days of prayer here. So <laughs> that's just how it worked. And I went up there and I had a great time. Um, praying for healing, praying for healing for the nation, praying for healing of addiction and breakthrough uh, for the United States, for the state, and for the city. How many know every state, every city, all of the nations need prayer? And so I just saw the Lord do some mighty things. <clears throat> In the midst of, of worship, um, on Tuesday... Let me just say this. I, I so love our worship team, and they had a great worship team up there, but it wasn't like I'm used to. Amen? So it was very, you know, everything was planned, which is okay. I still I went into a vision. <laughs> you know why? Because I wasn't here. No, and I still went into a vision, and I, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me powerfully, and I was just you know, trying to lock myself in and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And, um, and I saw the Lord himself. He just, he kind of, he looked at me and he had his hands down low. And I looked. And how many know, I don't think they use handcuff cuffs. Well, they might, you know, for, but I, when they usually arrest people these days, they put these uh, zip ties on. And, uh, I actually tried it at home, you know, tried to bust out. It worked. It was only like .008, but, you know, it wasn't those thick ones. But I, I looked at the Lord, and he looked straight dead into my eyes, and he said, I will not be handcuffed. And he snapped right out of these Teflon. <laughs> of course he did. But, but I, I realized a couple things when I was thinking about this later. And, and I understood what was going on in the spirit, that when Jesus was arrested, they, cut, they tied him up. When Jesus was on the cross, how many know he was tied up? And he spoke to me, he said, I will no longer be tied up by man's hands, and I will, be, I will release faith in the earth to see what I'm going to do. But I will not, he, he basically told me he wasn't going to live in a place where there was unbelief. And so I saw this just begin to happen, and I'm like, Lord, well, what does that mean for us? Like, I, it, obviously, are you speaking to me directly? Like, am I unbelief? And he said, the church at large is, in, is not believing me for the things that I'm about to do. And he said, and even you. So me and you, right? So I truly believe that the Lord in this hour is expanding us and trying to, like, loosen our, the things that have been bound up, binding us up. And so the Holy Spirit wants to loose you today. He wants to loose me today. And, and I, I feel like, man, every time I go someplace else and just witness what's happening there, and I'm, and I'm thankful for what's happening all over the earth, 
But I, I feel like there is such destiny on the area. And there's such, uh, we should have such an expectancy for what God's going to do. And I'm telling you, sometimes it looks like a desolate place. I don't say that as, a, as, a, as something that's, that's truth. I think it looks like something that we don't perceive it to be. We, land, we live in a land that's fulfilled with fullness, yet God is trying to get our attention and believe for the big thing and the big breakthrough and, and the regional thing. And, and I want to just say that we're going to talk about the, uh, just this encounter that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, where he feeds the 5,000. And I want you to just look at it with new eyes, okay? Because if we look at things with new eyes, if I've read through the Bible again and again and again, and I have, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I've read this before. And he's like, yeah, and I want to show you something else. And I got something brand new. Can we just look? We want to ask the Lord for glasses today so that we can see well and allow his spirit to come. And so we don't want to handcuff the Lord. Amen. So I want you to just, we'll, we'll just pray that right now. Father, we just loose you in any way, in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions, any way that we handcuff you and tie you up. Lord, we open up right now. And ask, Father, we, we cut any bands that we've tied you up with in our minds and our, and our emotions. Father, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just work in this place. Lord, we thank you for the miracles that you want to do in our midst. And so we thank you that every person in here is available for a miracle right now. Yeah. We thank you that every person in this room at this given moment, at this, uh, it, this specific time, at this Kairos time, Lord, we come in into a agreement that you're going to do something powerful even in the next week ahead, and we're expecting you to shift things. And so we stand in that place in Jesus' name and give you freedom, Father. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so Matthew 14, verse 13, I'm just going to read the text, and then I'm just going to hit a few points. And it says, when Jesus heard it, actually, I'm just going to give you background. John the Baptist has just been killed. He's just been beheaded. And his head has been served on a platter to Herodias. So we just see this. And this is what Jesus, his, uh, John's disciples go and run and they tell Jesus what's happening. It says, when he heard this, he departed from there, he, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on, on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is very late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they ate, and they ate, they all ate and were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. 
Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So that gives us a, a perspective of it was probably more like 10,000, 15,000 people if they had one child. Okay? So we want to, this was like, you know, Jesus was the first George Whitfield. Amen? He just showed up and people just, it says here, I just want you to look at, because Jesus was very comfortable in, in tragedy and in, in pressure. And in, listen, I, I just want to think, you've got, you've got Jesus the man whose cousin was the prophet. And we know he was the pro, he's the prophet of prophets, but we see that Jesus loses his companion. He loses his cousin. He loses a family member by beheading. And now he goes out into the wilderness. He goes out into the desert places. How many know that Jesus is very, very, very familiar with desert places? Because we, we can see throughout Scripture that we know that Jesus is very comfortable. And I, that's the first thing. I want you to know that even, and, and I'm talking about deserted places tonight, because if you're not in a deserted place, you will be at some point. And if you haven't been in a deserted place, you will be at some point. And you're going to want to remember the things I say to you. So take notes and remember what I'm about to say to you because God does miracles in the wilderness. God is, is the person who does amazing things in the midst of, of, of arid, dry, crispy situations. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants us to take note of what he's doing in this hour. And I don't care what the nation looks like. I don't care what the news says. I don't care who says what. The Lord is in charge of the earth and, and the fullness thereof. I know that he is the one that is in charge of what's happening. And so some of you in this room have been going through things, but Jesus knows where you're at. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring fullness. He wants to bring everything that's been dead alive that, that you may think is, oh, it's gone. It's not, I'll never see that again. But God says, I want to bring back those things that the locusts have eaten because I, I'm, I promise you the Holy Spirit is calling to you tonight to call you out of a place. And even if you, you're not in that place, listen, I'm not in a desert right now, but the Lord was specific. He said, get ready. Get ready for what's about to happen so that you can see miracles in the desert places. And so Jesus is comfortable and is always and will be comfortable in desert places. I want you to think back to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. Where does he go? To the desert. He goes to the desert to be tested. He goes to the desert to be tempted. He goes to the desert to meet, yes, Lucifer himself in, in human form or whatever form he is and, 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 and begins to badger him and try to get him to do things out of context to what the Father's mission is in his life. And so I can say this to you and everyone in this room, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me clear. Because the enemy is trying to knock you off your course. And if you listen to the whisperings, if you listen and you take, all of a sudden you look around and you say, I am in a desert place. What am I even doing here? What is the quickest way out of this? And I'm telling you, the quickest way out may not be the right way out. Jesus had quick ways out of the desert. And he took the long way. He took temptation one. He took temptation two. He took temptation three. All dealing with who he was as a son. And when he was filled with the spirit, what did the father say to him? He said, you are my what? You can shout at me. Beloved son, in whom I am. Yeah, so God was pleased with him. And he went into the desert place knowing who he was. Um, I want you to hear me. 
You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know that the Father's yes and amen is over your life. So that as you move into things and as, as things don't look like you thought they were going to, God has already spoken to you. You are my son and I'm well pleased with you. And that means as, as long as we walk in that integrity and believing, come on, we're, we're wrecking with, we're taking a wrecking ball to unbelief today, okay? We're going to believe the Holy Spirit that what he says is true and what, what he's going to do is going to be powerful in your life. If not tonight, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, the next day or the next month or whatever it looks like. But I promise you what God's going to do, he wants to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And it is the works of the devil. When we are oppressed, when we're shaken, when God's trying to do things, it doesn't feel comfortable. Everyone like uncomfortable? No. I like comfortable. And God wants us to live in the uncomfortable, but it's for everyone. So to live a supernatural lifestyle, you are called to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'll try this side. You are called to be uncomfortable, comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'm telling you, God's trying to get us to this place where comfort is not all that we're looking for. I'm telling you, we think that the Holy Spirit, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to stop. Pump the brakes. Jesus went to that place. He went to that place. And I just want to remind you, if we think of, of things that happen in the desert throughout the Bible, because there's a lot of desert places in the Bible, but we think, the first person I thought of was Abraham. Abraham was just, he just went off, and he went by faith. He went into, he left his, his comfortable place with dad. His father had all kinds of wealth, and he just went off by himself, and he took you know, I'm sure he got a, a, a lot of good stuff, but he went off to build a city that he didn't even know. He, he didn't know what it looked like. He, he was just going there, and he was headed there, but he went by faith, right? I think of Moses, who was what? Who was a murderer. He did all kinds of crazy things, and then he fled to the desert, and he was in the desert for a long time before he even came back out of the desert, and he lived in that place, hurting, just taking care of the Jethro's sheep. And the Lord just, uh, he's always in the place of the desert. I want you to remember Moses because Moses ended up in an encounter in the midst of the backside of the desert. That's where he found God. Oh, I'm telling you, sometimes we're looking for God in the midst of all the perfect things happening. And all the right worship and all the, 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 the right people praying for us or the prophet that's come to visit, we, we're going to have an encounter. It's going to happen that way. Well, maybe God wants to meet you in a place that's arid, that's barren, that's absolutely a wasteland. And God wants to meet you there. Oh, you can shout me down anytime. I'm preaching good now. I, I'm telling you, God is looking for us to be able to be comfortable going to that place that is dry and dead. Thus, we live in New England. But I don't think of it that way. I just look at it like Caleb, give me my mountain. I look at it like Joshua, we're going to take city by city, place by place. Why would we not? Because God wants to use you and myself to engage and to release the kingdom into the earth. And it won't happen by sitting back and thinking, I'm going to get a snuggle blanket and sit and watch my best YouTube videos and get filled up. No, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It's okay. Every now and then, it's good. But... But I want you to know that the Spirit of God is calling you to the dry, dead place. 
David was hiding in caves. David was being chased by the king, his spiritual father. He was being chased by the one who actually had him come, and he gave him his daughter, and, and he gave him another daughter. And he, he would just, he lavished him, but then he, come on, evil spirits get in and started chasing him through the deserts. I want you to remember these things because David was called to reign even in the midst of the desert. We didn't see the manifestation of it, but David was called. And then Ziklag, when everything got burned and torched and, and, and ravaged, that's when things shifted. Come on, somebody. It was probably the lowest time of David's life, one of the lowest times. He had a lot of highs and lows. But one of the deepest, darkest times of his life was when everyone was taken and all the men spoke of stoning him. And we see that the Holy Spirit, he had to encourage himself in the Lord so that he would walk and walk out his destiny. You're called to reign. Everyone in this place is called to reign. Everyone in this place is called to kingship. Everyone in this place is called to prophesy. Everyone in this place is called to be a priest. And David was the priest, prophet, king, the first model, looking like Jesus on the earth. He was, the, he was a type of Christ in the earth. And I just have to encourage you. Listen, I want you to think about the function of the Holy Spirit because when we think about the function of the Holy Spirit, it's like when I talked about the blanket. We think Holy Spirit is snuggle bun. We think Holy Spirit is here to just make us feel comfy. And he is called the comforter. But may I, let us just have a little, little, little bit of a different perspective about that. Maybe the Holy Spirit was there to equip you and, and, and put an a, a, a armor on you. And maybe you feel a little rough, but he puts you right in the middle of a battle and says, go, son. Go. I've empowered you not so that you'd be comfy on the couch. I empowered you so that you'd be in the thick of the battle and you'd be seeing what I'm doing and you'd be walking into the to the fulfillment of your destiny because you're not sitting back going, kumbaya. And I, I'm I'm telling you, we want to be snuggly, and I do believe God is snuggly, don't get me wrong. But I believe God is calling us to that place. Really, part of who the Holy Spirit is is the advocate. He's the helper, but helper is not even a good word. It's really the word in, in Latin is made, made you like a citadel in the midst of, a, of an onslaught. It's a little different than... And so the Lord wants us to be, the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us, equip us to the onslaught of this age, this present age. Remember last week, I, I shared this scripture, I'm just going to hit it again, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, do not consider the things of old. Behold, I do a, a new thing. And I want you to be happy about the new thing. But the new thing usually comes through pressing, usually comes through a little bit of fire, usually comes through a little bit of, come on, aggravated assault against you. And, it's, and then, then Isaiah says, behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The desert place is where the water comes. 
the desert place, when, when it's arid, when you, when you don't know, when you're disoriented, you may even be parched. And I don't want to have dry seasons. How many want dry seasons? I'm not prophesying dry seasons to you. I'm prophesying that you will have grit when the fire comes. I'm prophesying to you that you will walk in truth and in life when the Holy Spirit comes to you and he equips you as the onslaught of the fiery dots of the enemy will come at you because they are coming. And if they haven't hit you yet, they may. So keep up that shield of what? Thank you. This side. And I just want you to see that anointing happens an anointing for miracles begins to happen in desperate conditions I just want, listen, Jesus said he went to a desert place by himself and I want you to see this, that it says that people followed him into the desert when Mark's talking about the When Mark's talking about this, uh, this part of, portion of Scripture, when he's talking about this, he begins to say they ran. People ran to the desert to see Jesus. Are we running to the desert to see the Lord? <laughs> Come on. Who's running? I'm running. I'm running. And what... What happens is we want to, you have to see that the hour was late. It says, the Bible says that it was a deserted place, but the hour was late. And I'm telling you, the 11th hour is something that the Lord is continuing to bring up. We are living in the 11th hour. We are living in that time. We are living in a time where the clock is ticking and it will be at 12. When the, when the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns. I was talking about this briefly last week. I want to believe that the Lord is coming back. If not in my generation, my kids' generation. If not in, in their generation, it's got to be the next. I don't know when. And the Bible says we're not to know the, now, the hour or the time or the season, but the Father only knows. And God's wanting us to be in that place, postured to receive and get ready. Because the hour, everyone look at me, the hour is late. The hour is late, and God is looking for us not to be melt, uh, just weighed down with the things of, uh, that continually bury us in life. Listen, look at, look at me. I know life. Life tries to beat us down. Life tries to push us down. But God says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to be in the place that even in the desert place, the joy is flowing. The, the life of God is flowing. He continues to, to move. And he said, he said, Jesus said this. He said, they don't need to go away. You need to give them something to eat. And I just want to look at a few things because the Lord is, the Lord is continually challenging me. Listen, the anointing for miracles happens in a desolate and desperate conditions. You hearing me? It's desperate conditions that bring forth miracles. You don't need a miracle if you're not in a desperate situation. <laughs> Are you hearing me? 
When we see things unravel around us, when we see that the, 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 everything begins to unravel around us in whatever they, that way that looks in your life, God is in it. The Lord is in it. He's there. And, and sometimes we have to resist our feelings and let God meet us on the other side of it. Sometimes resisting the way we feel. Hello, look at me. way we feel because we go by our emotions and by how we feel a lot. And the Lord is trying to break that off of the church. And he wants us to, to step in. The enemy wants you to quit on situations and relationships. And I'm not, and so, all right, I have to stop. Because sometimes we can misconstrue. The Lord is wanting us to not give up on relationships that are healthy. <laughs> the Lord is not wanting us to give up on situations that are healthy. Because sometimes if I say stuff like that, people will put that right into perspective. Oh, no, I'm, I'm trying for that, and that's not even healthy. So you need to get rid of that. Get rid of the unhealthy. Amen? And, and, God, and, and so I think of just begin to, the Lord wants to get in and get it with us. And I felt like the Lord began to open up. Kings, 1 Kings 17, where Elijah, remember, he proclaims a drought. You don't have to turn there because I'm going through like the whole chapter. Just write it down. Elijah begins, he proclaims the drought. Remember all this because you know the story. He proclaims a drought over the land. It will not rain. It will not rain unless by my word. Now, come on, that's a prophet. And it... Skies closed up. And so then we see that he goes into this engagement with Ahab, and he basically disappears, right? All the other prophets are being persecuted. Obadiah hides 100 in, the, in a cave, 50 and 50 in caves. And then all of a sudden, we're looking at a landscape of arid, dry mess. And you still have Jezebel and Ahab. You still have Jezebel and Ahab. How many know Jezebel and Ahab are not a good combination? How many know that Ahab just does the work that Jezebel wants to see happen? And, and both are no good for prophets. Both are no good for the church. Both are no good for the move of God. Both, we don't, we don't need that in the midst of what God's trying to do. And Jezebel is trying to kill all the prophets, right? 400, now she's got 400 of her own prophets that are going through the land trying to kill all the rest of the prophets. And, and so we see them come to Zarephath. And Zarephath, I just want you to know that Elijah is called in the midst of the drought. The ravens are feeding him. And then, begin, then the Lord says, go to Zarephath and there's a widow there. And she'll feed you. Ha, <laughs> ha. She's got a, she's got her, she's a widow with a son, and all she has is enough is for one cake, and she's going to feed you. Yeah, it's good. And so we see that Zarephath, even the name Zarephath means smelting, means to refine. It's a place where refining happens. It's a place where the burning happens. It's actually speaking of a, of a, of a smelt, like a smelting industry, like term that, that the, it actually melts things and then destroys them. It cr crushes them. 
So Zarephath is a place where you, you go to get tested. Amen. And God's plan for his church is to see the powerful things happen for us in the realm of miracles. But it will not happen unless the fire comes. And we pray for fire in this place. We pray God releases the fire in this place. We pray God, but we like that charismatic fire that we feel good. And I'm telling you, the charismatic fire is good and we'll still do that. But I'm telling you, when you get hit by the, the real fire that purges, that, res that continues. And, and I'm telling you, there are people that are resisting. Come on, in churches all over America, they're resisting the purging and the fire of God. And God wants us to be in this place where we're comfortable with the uncomfortable. I'm going to, maybe that's what I should have named the message. Comfortable with the uncomfortable because God wants us to be in that place to receive the fire. The fire that burns, the fire that crushes, the fire that puts us in the tumbler and tumbles us and then sifts us. Till we come forth like pure gold. It's the same word that's used in the fiery furnace in Daniel. How many want to go in the fiery furnace? Yeah. Amen. Shaba. <laughs> so God's plan for his church is that we will push in to see the power of God manifest. That he has for us in the realm of miracles. How many want to see a realm of miracles? Listen, we, we tasted again. I hadn't seen that in a while, and I, I mentioned it. But when Jeremy was here, he pushed in for the realm of miracles. He pushed in. He, he pushed in to see the, mel the metal, you know, dissolve out of the elbow and the, and the foot. And we pushed in for Jeff's ear a couple, last week, a couple weeks ago, whatever it was. We pushed in to see some things happening. And so I want to believe, God, for pushing in for miracles. And it won't go without trying it. So I just go back to that. The Lord will not be handcuffed in this hour. The Lord will not be tied up. The Lord wants to be loosed in his church. And I feel like sometimes I feel like there's resistance from the enemy. Listen, sometimes I'll just, ready, I'll just be purely honest right now. I feel resistance from home sometimes before I even come here. So why do we need intercession for your pastors? Uh, our worship leader feels the same thing. I know the team sometimes feels a heavy. Sometimes it's just like you get in and it's like something pushing against what you're trying to do. And, the, and God uses all kinds of weird things to, to mess with people's emotions and get people offended. And, and we, do, you know, we don't do everything perfect here. I'm, I'll just be the first to say that. And, and the reality is I don't, when I get up out of bed... Sometimes I'm feeling the push against. Okay? I'm not saying that to say poor me. I'm saying that I'm here for the fight. I'm here to say that sometimes if you hear frustration coming out of me, it's because I feel a fight. I feel a, f a pushback. I feel things that are, that are trying to re resist where God wants to go. And, I, and, and the Holy Spirit wants to dom dominate those things, right? The Holy Spirit wants to dominate those things. 
Here he goes. I can't dominate them in my flesh, but the Holy Spirit can take care of those things. And so the more I become, the more you become reliant upon the Holy Spirit, then those things, like if you wake up and you've got this stuff flying over you and things coming at you, and I'm not saying I wake up with that, but sometimes things are all over you and you just got to get up and say, Come on, call someone. You know what the best thing in this church would be? Is if people started calling one another if they were having an issue. I mean, you could call me, but sometimes it's someone else because you always hear my voice. It's the, there's someone else that might, you might want to talk to and, and God breakthrough. And we talked about this like a lifeline. The Holy Spirit wants to put lifelines all throughout this church so that you're not suffering alone. Hello. Okay, so there, there is so much that the Lord is wanting to do in this hour, and we cannot afford to be left out, right, or lost in the, in the traffic, right? Okay, so I, we just see that the Lord's, and I just want to go back to this as well, the Lord's divine nature is multiplied, and I'm just going to give you this, verse 19 Verse 18, he says, bring, the, bring, bring what you have to me. And look at me right now. You need to take what you have and give it to the Lord. Some people, everyone in this, everyone, everyone including myself, feels uh, probably insecure or insignificant sometimes with what they have to give God. It's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. It's okay, but you don't live in that mindset that I live in this place because, look, watch, you're going to see the miracle. Ready? He said, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves of, of the two of the disciples. He took, actually, he took the loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven. He took what they had, what the lad had. There was one young boy in Mark. The one lad took what he had, and broke it. Oh, no, no. Sorry. He blessed it. See, because I can tell you right now in my own life, in my own life, if he took what, he, I know this, he's done this over and over with me. He takes what I have, he blesses it, and then he busts it up. Come on, get the picture. He takes what I have. He says, that's good, son. Smash. I'll bust it up. I blessed it. I broke it, but I'm going to give it. I'm going to multiply it because there's talents that we have in this room, yet you don't allow the Lord to bless it and then break it. <laughs> I'm telling you, God is wanting to come in to your world and take what you have and bust it up and break it up and multiply it and disperse it. Because there's talents in this room that people do not disperse. People don't, uh, don't come in and they just, and it's not even here. You don't do it anywhere. You don't open up. You don't open your mouth. You don't speak things that the Lord has given you. You don't uh, begin to lay hands on the sick. Some of you have healing gifts in the room you won't allow. Because you know what? Pride, I'll call it pride. It's not humility. It's pride. Hello. It's pride. Hello, Revelation land. It's pride because when we don't do things, we're afraid of man, and we're afraid of what we're going to look like on the other side. So we don't do it. We don't prophesy. We don't have a word of knowledge. We don't do that. We don't do that stuff. Well, listen, the Lord is coming to take our stuff 
and take what we have. And he's come to take it and bless it and break it and give it away. And this is, this is so good. This is so good because he took the substance of what we had. And then he, the Lord blesses it. And how does he bless it? He intercedes. If there is one in heaven right now. Oh, I get excited about this. There's one in heaven right now and he's praying for you. There's one in heaven right now and he's praying for the entire church that they would manifest themselves in a pure way on the earth that it would bring world revival. Oh, I'm not lying to you. It, it, there is one man right beside the Father, and he's interceding for everyone in this place. He's interceding for the entire church that they would grow up into the fullness of Christ and begin to dispense, ha, Pez dispenser, begin to dispense. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> he wants to dispense those things that are in you into the whole earth. And it's more than just these seats. Amen? Look at me. Amen. Because I'm telling you, there could be a 10-city tour before you even know it. Oh, my God. Oh, whatever, he, whatever we think we have, he breaks. And he multiplies it. Only the thing that we thought we had, he makes it greater. And he disperses it. Because why? Because he blesses it and touches it. If he takes what I have and he touches it, if that's all he needs to do is take who I am and touch me and break me and give me away, then something powerful happens. And so he gave, he gave, and just like he gave his life, he is the bread of life. He gave his life and he, and he, he was blessed by the Father and he was bound bruised and broken he gave his life as a ransom for many and we know this and everyone in this room receives the same and i'm telling you full provision comes in that desolate place what he did was he gave it he took it and he gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the multitudes and this is what god wants to do multiplication stewardship again again it's stewardship again we look at the lord and he wants to open things up and it's more than money stinking mammon i wish we didn't even need it but god uses it to further the gospel i'm just saying the holy spirit wants us to be good stewards with what he gives us and he wants us to allow him to touch it so that he can give it to someone else and then he gives it from that person to the next person to the next person and multiplication happens and the spreading of the gospel i was up in uh, berlin with jesse right I'm, I, I went and built a chimney this week 20 hours in two days that was good and uh, i just saw the lord just work on the roof of course, I have Jesse Arsenal next to me, and he's talking to the kid that's sitting on the roof, roofing. And he's like, Miles, he starts asking me questions about my life, about my testimony. And I start going, going, going between the two of us, and we lead him to Jesus on the roof. So it's just because of what? I'm laying bricks. I'm there to be a blessing anyway. But the Holy Spirit used it to win a young man to Christ, 19 years old enamored with a mason i don't know why he's enamored with a mason we just want to pray into those things right so full provision comes from a desolate place and god begins when we come to the end 
you hear that? Write that down. God begins when we come to the end. Hopefully, I'm coming to the end. <laughs> Hopefully, you're coming to the end. Because when God shows up, things begin to happen. When, when you just become so sick and tired of trying to do things in your own strength and your own actions and your own understanding and your own mindsets, God comes in and he says, and he begins to blow on those things. And so Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, and, and I know it seems kind of out of context, but I just felt like verse chapter 36, 26 says this, I give you a new heart and I put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, right? And I will put my spirit within you. And then 36, 33 says this. This was powerful, and I'm thinking it goes right into 37. Ah. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities. That's every place where we're dependent upon ourselves, and self-sufficiency is sin. Hello. Self-sufficient people are sinning. <laughs> come on we don't like that some of you are like oh self-sufficient people who do things in their own strength and pat themselves on the back because they did it it's, it's pride again bang bang pride okay thus says the lord god on that day i will cleanse you from all your iniquities i will also enable enable you to dwell in cities and ruins shall be rebuilt the desolate land shall be tilled instead of laying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. Verse 35. So they will say, the land that was desolate has become a garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Stop there. Fortified and inhabited. Why? Because someone came in and said, that's it. No more desolation. That's it. We're changing the landscape. That's it. We're breaking the stronghold. That's it. We're, we're abolishing barrenness. That's it. We've had enough of, of fruitlessness in the land. No. God's saying, I come and I use you as a tiller in the land to bring forth life and life abundant. And then he says this. He said, and... Then the nations that are left around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. When the Lord says he's going to do something, it means he's going to do it. And I know this is prophetic of Israel, but I put ourselves back in it. Listen, any place that's desolate in your life, God is calling those things forth. But he's looking for you to be fortified. He's looking for you to be in a place where you're ready to go forward. He, he can't deal. Listen, he won't be able to push you forward because, listen, I do it all the time. I pray for someone. They're okay. They leave here. Two, two hours later, they're not. Their head's on backwards. I'm telling you, it's happened over and over again. And it's not even, it's God wanting to get a hold of us on the inside, the inner fight. The inner fight comes from the Holy Ghost, not in anger. No, filled with love, power, and a sound mind. God's hand on your life is dependent and continuing to move on your life is dependent upon your life lining up with that warrior inside. You have a warrior that's been put inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm not all into war. I think we are in a season of rest. But there is a place where God's pulling us into that place where we fortify. And once you fortify, you can rest. The Lord has... 
I, the Lord, has spoken it, and I will do it. You can bank on those words that if God says he wants to come and till the ground until you walk things out and you see the flourishing hand of God in the land, he will do it. How many believe in that promise right now? I'm telling you, God is wanting to do that in every person's landscape. We have to landscape our hearts in that manner so that we receive the seed of God until, 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 and begin tilling until we see the fruitful uh, fruit of the, of the seed of God emerge out of your life. And so the overflow will remain Ready? Because we go to this, this last verse. Go to this last verse. It says, so they were filled and they took up 12 baskets. And I just want to talk to you about 12 baskets. Because 12 baskets, we think of governmental, we think of those things. But I don't believe it speaks of that. Because if I think back, I think of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's speaking of generations. And, and uh, the fragments that remain... It's going to be the generations behind us. Is it okay? Is it okay if we do something for the next generation? If the, is it okay if we do something selfless for the next generation so that it's not always about us? Because I, I, I grew up. <laughs> leave that out. Leave it out. Leave it out. Bypass. You find that sometimes in church culture, it's all for the house and all for uh, the ministry to, to do wh whatever they're aspiring to do. Amen? And not to say that we don't want to do things. <clears throat> but can we build a foundation that the next generation and generations to pass, it's because after Jacob, it was the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was dependent upon that whole nation to come up and walk in the, in the fulfillment of everything that Jesus did, everything that was, that was taken by the, the previous generation. Excuse me. And I see this. So the overflow will remain. Everyone say remain. The overflow will remain for the next generation. 1 Kings 18.41. We're back there again. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, drink, for there's a sound of the abundance of rain. And I, when I say that to you, it's, it's, here's the deal. Remember with the, the battle with the prophets of Baal. Remember, Elijah goes and he builds the altar. They all tried. They tried to, the God who comes by fire, the, the Lord who shows up by fire, he's the one. He's the one we'll worship. Well, the prophets of Baal tried and nothing happened. So Elijah says, okay, do this, and he pours something like, uh, I think it ended up being 140 gallons of water on top of this sacrifice in the midst of this desolate, desolate time, in the midst of a drought, in the midst of a famine where there is no water, where they're looking for brook water, and they're dumping all this water. And so they dump the water on the sacrifice, and then they, be, they begin to, Elijah begins to pray and he builds the altar. And the altar, it says, were built with 12 stones. And the 12 of the 12 stones of the tribes of Israel. Amen. And so here's what happens. The Bible says this, that the fire came down from heaven and licked up even the stones. Licked up everything. Everything. Was in, it was like a holocaust inferno. 
it literally made the entire sacrifice, the altar, and everything in it vaporize. That's what the language says. It vaporized. It was no longer there. It wasn't like poof, fire, yay. No, it wasn't it. It was like boom, atom bomb. And then he said, go kill all the other prophets now. And that was it. But the Lord, in that time, began to release again. He began to release the fire. So that what? So that Elijah could go back and find Ahab and say, okay, at my word, here comes the rain. And so God wants us to be in that place of confidence and knowing that the overflow remains for the next generation. Because Elijah was about to leave. Elijah was about to evaporate. And the next generation of prophets were about to come on the scene. Zechariah 10.1 says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of rain, in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord will make flashing clouds, and he will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. Call upon the Lord for rain in the time of rain. The Holy Spirit is looking for us, everyone in this room, to come into this place of alignment so that we see the goodness of God. I'm, I'm going to call you tonight to bring a, bring an, just step into the altar. Just step into the place of the altar and see what God would bring. Because I'm expecting for myself in the next days ahead an atom bomb, literally, an atom bomb to hit this place and burst forth in our lives and begin to transform because the that fire transforms. It doesn't just sit. It doesn't just not, you know, doesn't affect you in the inner man. No, God coming in that way begins to take everything you have and we leave it before him and say, God, I'm, I'm making this place altar for you right now. I just... Stand, stand with me. Yeah, that'd be good. I want to encourage you. It's desolate, dry places. It's dry places. It's dry places. It's dry places. It's in an arid, dry place. It's where you let the sun beat on you. Where God begins to shift things in your life. It's where we come and we lay everything on that altar and allow him to come with his divine power. Listen, the nature of God has been given to you. The nature, the very person of who he is has been given to you so that you'll walk just like he walked. So we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. This place is open. And I want you to just come and just say, God, I want you to come with the fire of your presence. I want you to come. And I want you to multiply the things that I have inside of me. I'm putting myself Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm putting myself back on the altar. Again. So that I can see the coming of your son in my life. 
I can see your hand coming and moving in my life. The Lord is looking for a company. He's looking for a company. It's really all he's looking for. He's looking for a company. So let's just, just lift your hands up. and Lord, I thank you that what you're going to do right now is going to be super powerful. I thank you, Father, as you step into this altar right now, God, as you begin to move. Lord, we thank you that you're uncuffed, that you're not restricted or restrained in any way in this place. I thank you that your hand is about to move on certain individuals in this room right now. As we give our hearts, as we give our minds, as we give ourselves completely to you. God, we thank you for the miraculous that happens in the desert, in the arid place. So come on, if you're believing for a miraculous shift, just get before the Lord right now. If you're believing for the Lord to come in a, and move in a miraculous way in your life, I believe faith trumps every situation. Faith abides. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. Lord, I thank you that faith is moving in this room right now. And Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we thank you that there's no reservation. There's no place that's reserved for any other person except for you. You come in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Spirit of God. We thank you, Father of lights. We thank you. You're the Father of our destiny. You're the Father who postures us right before you in this moment. We won't be denied. 